Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. And welcome back to the Lotus Underground. This is MC Owens. And today I'm gonna be doing something a little different. Um, I'm gonna be doing a sutra reading. It's gonna not be quite a sutra recitation like I've done in the past where I just read the sutra from front to back. Uh, this one's gonna be a little more of a reading where I do a little more stopping and starting. And today I'm going to be reading uh, the Chula Gosinga Sutta, otherwise known as the Shorter Sutta, or the, the Shorter Discourse, given at Gosinga. And Gosinga is a place, and that's where the sutra takes place. Uh, but before we go ahead and get started with that, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank all of my Patreon supporters. Um, in many ways, this recording is is for them, not exclusively for them. They would, I don't think they would want the Dharma to be withheld in that way. Uh, but it's because of your support that I'm able to do these recordings and post these transmissions. So I really, really appreciate all my Patreon supporters. And if you would like to support me, that's the best way to do it. Um, and that's at... Uh, Patreon backslash MC Owens, and you can find links on the SoundCloud and at lotusunderground.com. Um, and also, I wanted to make sure that everybody listening knows that I teach every Sunday night for the San Francisco Dharma Collective. Um, it's a class, it's a sutra study class called the Dharma Doors, um, and that's from 7 o'clock to 8.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, for the SF Dharma Collective, that's sfdharmacollective.org. Uh, that's the place to find that. And many of the Lotus Underground uh, transmissions and Dharma talks I've posted in the past come from my uh, Dharma Doors class that I teach on Sunday nights. But for the last year, uh, since I've been teaching remotely, I've been using my whiteboard a lot more, which you may you may know about my whiteboard drawings. And since I'm using a lot more visual aids, I have found that the audio recordings of those classes are really lacking because I'm, I'm pointing to things you can't see. Um, and so that's why I want to keep doing these special recordings for the SoundCloud and special recordings for the Patreon supporters. Uh, but I just wanted to point that out to you so that if you would like to learn more about sutras, the SF Dharma Collective Dharma Doors class is a great resource. Um, and I also just wanted to uh, also put out there and announce that I am still offering Dharma tutoring. That's private one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, I have a curriculum, sort of a syllabus that I like to go through students with, unless there are specific Dharma topics or specific sutras or suttas that you'd like to read together, uh, in which case we can do that. It's a very flexible program and very affordable program I uh, only asked for $50 for an hour session, and I currently have a couple of slots available during the week. So if you're interested in that, or in general just interested in me, interested in my teaching, interested in my offerings, you can always reach me at mco at lotusunderground.com. 
Right, that's it for the announcements. Now let's get into the sutta. So I'm going to be reading from the uh, Majjhima Nikaya. This is the middle length discourses of the Buddha. I'm reading, uh, as I usually do, I'm reading from the wisdom publication Bhikkhu Nyanamoli and Bhikkhu Bodhi translations. The Chula Gosinga Sutta is sutra number 31 in that collection. Uh, if you'd like to read along. And again, I'm not going to be doing just a straight recitation because there's a number of things in this sutra that I think are very interesting. I've actually already, I taught this sutra once, speaking of the SF Dharma Collective, I taught this sutra one night. I remember doing a lot of um, discussion of the topics in this, and I thought I recorded it, but I think it got lost in the fray, which is fine because I think this is a, a much uh, better setting to do this reading in. Um, but the point is, is that you may be familiar with this if you were coming to the San Francisco Dharma Collective last year. The reason why I chose this sutra then, and actually the reason why I chose to do it now, is because it talks about the four jhanas and the four formless samadhis, or the four formless uh, realms. And of course, I just finished posting four Dharma talks from last year, which was a series of Dharma talks I gave on the so-called formless realms or the four formless jhanas, the realm of infinite space, realm of infinite consciousness, realm of infinite nothingness, and then the realm of neither perception nor non-perception. And, I, you know, I gave those talks last year, and I feel like I, as a teacher, have grown a lot since then. I feel like my ideas have grown since then, and I've learned a lot. And so I'm going to try to incorporate some of those that new understanding and new learning into this, but primarily, I wanted to read you this sutra and read through this sutra with you because it really ties together all of those Dharma talks I gave on the four formless realms. And so in those talks, I really tried to outline the system, but each night was really focused on one particular meditation. And so I feel like I didn't or I wasn't able to give that full encompassing presentation of the whole process and again I feel like this sutra does a good job of that um, great so I'm gonna go ahead and get started reading and again this is gonna be a kind of stop and start uh, if I feel like something needs explanation um, and actually at a certain point I'm gonna have to jump to a different sutra to fill in some blanks but let's deal with that when we get there shall we so again, this is the uh, middle-length discourses of the Buddha, the Majjhima Nikaya, Sutra number 31, the Chula Gosinga Sutta, the shorter discourse given in Gosinga. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One, the Buddha, was living at Nadika in the brick house. Now, on that occasion, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila were living at the park of the Gosinga Solitary Wood. Then, when it was evening, the Blessed One, the Buddha, rose from meditation and went to the park of the Gosinga Solitary Wood. The park keeper 
saw the Blessed One coming in the distance, and told him, Do not enter this park, recluse. There are three clansmen here seeking their own good. Do not disturb them. The Venerable Aniruddha heard the park keeper speaking to the Blessed One, and told him, Friend, park keeper, do not keep the Blessed One out. It is our teacher, the Blessed One, the Buddha who has come. Then the Venerable Aniruddha went to the Venerable Nandiya and the Venerable Kimbila and said, Come out, Venerable Sirs, come out. Our teacher, the Blessed One, has arrived. Then all three went to meet the Blessed One. One took his bowl and outer robe, one prepared a seat, and one set out water for washing the feet. The Blessed One sat down on the seat made ready and washed his feet. Then those three venerable ones paid homage to the Blessed One and sat down to one side. When they were all seated, the Blessed One said to them, I hope you are all keeping well, Aniruddha. I hope you are all comfortable. I hope you are not having any trouble getting alms food. We are keeping well, Blessed One. We are comfortable, Blessed One. And we are not having any trouble getting alms food, Blessed One. I hope, Aniruddha, that you are all living in concord, with mutual appreciation, without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly eyes. Surely, Venerable Sir, we are living in concord, with mutual appreciation, without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly eyes. But Aniruddha, the Blessed One, asked, How do you live thus? Venerable Sir, as to that, I think thus. It is a gain for me, it is a great gain for me that I am living with such companions in the holy life. I maintain bodily acts of loving-kindness towards those venerable ones, both openly and privately. I maintain verbal acts of loving-kindness towards them both openly and privately. I maintain mental acts of loving-kindness towards them both, openly and privately. I consider... Why should I not set aside what I wish to do and do what these venerable ones wish to do instead? Then I set aside what I wish to do and do what these venerable ones wish to do instead. We are different in body, venerable sir, but one in mind. The venerable Nandiya and the venerable Kimbila each spoke likewise, adding, That is how, venerable sir, we are living in concord, with mutual appreciation, without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly eyes. Good, good, Aniruddha, the Blessed One said. I hope that you all abide diligent, ardent, and resolute. Surely, venerable sir, Aniruddha replied, we abide diligent, ardent, and resolute. But Aniruddha, the Blessed One, asked, How do you abide thus? 
Venerable Sir, as to that, whichever of us returns first from the village with alms food, prepares the seats, sets out the water for drinking and for washing, and puts the refuse bucket in its proper place. Whichever of us returns last eats any food left over, if he wishes, otherwise he throws it away where there is no greenery or drops it into water where there is no life. He puts away the seats and the water for drinking and the water for washing. He puts away the refuse bucket after washing it and he sweeps out the refectory. Whoever notices that the pots of water for drinking, washing, or the latrine are low or empty takes care of them. If they are too heavy for him, he calls someone else by a signal of the hand, and they move it by joining hands. But because of this, we do not break out into speech. Yet, every five days we sit together all night discussing the Dharma. That is how we abide diligent, ardent, and resolute. Good, good, Aniruddha. But while you abide thus, diligent, ardent, and resolute, have you attained any superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding All right, so right here, I'm going to pause just for one moment. And because we're about to get into the jhanas, and this is going to be Aniruddha's description to the Buddha of how it is uh, that they have attained superhuman states, how they have attained a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of noble ones, and how it is that they have this comfortable abiding. Um, I would love to emphasize right there that word abiding. It's such an essential word to Buddhism as this kind of term for meditation, abiding or resting in a meditative state. And the other reason why I'm pausing here is that if you're reading the uh, wisdom translation, the language gets a little weird because Aniruddha kind of uses this uh, form of, I guess it's like a rhetorical question. When the Buddha asks, um, you know, have you attained any superhuman states? Aniruddha responds, why not, venerable sir? And it's, again, it's kind of a form of rhetoric where he's kind of asking like, well, yeah, why not? Of course. Like, so just be aware that that's sort of the way the, the answer is, is that he's just saying like, yeah, of course. So when the Buddha asks about the superhuman state, distinctions in knowledge and vision, and a comfortable abiding, Aniruddha replies, Why not, Venerable Sir? Here, Venerable Sir, whenever we want, quite secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states, we enter upon and abide in the first jhana, which is accompanied by applied and sustained thought, with rapture and pleasure born of seclusion. Venerable Sir, this is a superhuman state, 
a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding, which we have attained, while abiding diligent, ardent, and resolute. Good, good, the Buddha replied to Aniruddha. But is there any other superhuman state? A distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones? A comfortable abiding, which you have attained by surmounting that abiding? By making that abiding subside? By which, of course, the Buddha means the first jhana. And Aniruddha replies, Why not, Venerable Sir? Here, Venerable Sir, whenever we want, with the stilling of applied and sustained thought, we enter upon and abide in the second jhana. And this is where the sutra has ellipses. This is where the sutra has those famous ellipses in which it is leaving out information. And so in order to fill in the blanks, I'm actually going to be jumping over to the Diga Nikaya, the Long Discourses of the Buddha. I'm going to be jumping over to the Samanapala Sutra, which means the fruits of the homeless life. That's the second sutra in the large uh, discourses of the Buddha. And the reason why I'm jumping over there is that it has the information that is omitted by these ellipses in this, which is that it has the more uh, complete description of the jhanas. And so just to so that we're all together here, I'm going to read from the Diga Nikaya, from the Samanapala Sutra, regarding the first jhana. And again, the reason why I'm reading the sutra and the reason why I want to go through this is to sort of really put all these jhanas and formless jhanas together. And so in that Samanapala Sutta, the fruits of the homeless life, we find, we find that when... A practitioner knows that the five hindrances, and that is that sensual pleasure or sensual desire, right? Um, bitterness and resentment, restlessness and worry, doubt, and sloth and torpor. And so when he knows that those five hindrances have left him, gladness arises, and from gladness comes delight. And from the delight in the mind, the body is tranquil, tranquilized. With a tranquil body, one feels joy. And with joy, the mind is concentrated. Being thus detached from sense desires, detached from unwholesome states, one enters and remains in the first jhana, which is with thinking and pondering, born of detachment, filled with delight and joy. And with this delight and joy, born of detachment, one so suffuses, drenches, fills, and irradiates the body that there is no spot in the entire body that is untouched by this delight and joy, born of detachment. So again, that's the first jhana. And then, just jumping back very quickly, when the Buddha says, is there any superhuman state, distinction in knowledge or vision, or comfortable abiding, 
that is gained by surmounting the first jhana? Anirudha replies, why not, venerable sir? Here, venerable sir, whenever we want. With the stilling of applied and sustained thought, we enter upon and abide in the second jhana. And now, jumping over to the Samanapala Sutta. Again, with the subsiding of thinking and pondering, by gaining inner tranquility and oneness of mind, one enters and remains in the second jhana, which is without thinking and pondering, born of concentration, filled with delight and joy. And with this delight and joy, born of concentration, one so suffuses the body that no spot remains untouched. And then, going back to our Gosinga Sutta, and with the fading away as well of rapture, one enters upon and abides in the third jhana. And just jumping back to the fruits of the homeless life, and with the fading away of delight, one remains imperturbable, mindful and clearly aware, and experiences in oneself that joy of which the noble ones say, happy is the one who dwells with equanimity and mindfulness. And with that, one enters and remains in that third jhana. And with this joy devoid of delight, he so suffuses the body that no spot remains untouched. And then, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, we enter upon and abide in the fourth jhana. Now, jumping back to the fruits of the homeless life, we read that, again, having given up pleasure and pain, and with the disappearance of former gladness, former sadness, one enters and remains in the fourth jhana, which is beyond pleasure and pain, and purified by equanimity and mindfulness. And one sits suffusing the body with that mental purity and clarification so that no part of the body is untouched by it. So again, I just wanted to really clarify that process of the first four jhanas, that it's this very subtle movement that moves from a very rapturous, blissful state with lots of mental cognition, lots of uh, discursive thinking. And as you move through the jhanas, you see a fading of that rapture to the point that in the fourth jhana, there's actually a transcendence of the ideas, the experiences of pleasure and pain. And one abides in upeksha or that equanimity. All right, so now I'm jumping back to our uh, Chula Gosinga Sutta, or, or the Sutra reading. And we find, after hearing about the four jhanas from Aniruddha, the Buddha says, Good, good, Aniruddha. But is there any other superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding which you have attained by surmounting that abiding, by making that abiding subside? 
To which Aniruddha replies, Why not, venerable sir? Here, venerable sir, whenever we want, with the complete surmounting of perceptions of form, with the disappearance of perceptions of sensory impact, with non-attention to perceptions of diversity, aware that space is infinite, we enter upon and abide in the base of infinite space, the Akasha Ayatana. Venerable Sir, this is another superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding, which we have attained by surmounting the preceding abiding, by making that abiding subside. To which the Buddha replied, Good, good, Aniruddha, but is there any other superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding, which you have attained by surmounting that abiding? By making that abiding subside? Aniruddha replies, Why not, venerable sir? Here, venerable sir, whenever we want, by completely surmounting that base of infinite space, aware that consciousness is infinite, we enter upon and abide in the base of infinite consciousness. Venerable Sir, this is another superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding, which we have attained by surmounting the preceding abiding, by making that abiding subside. And by completely surmounting the base of infinite consciousness, aware that there is nothing, we enter upon and abide in the base of nothingness. Venerable Sir, this is another superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding, which we have attained by surmounting the preceding abiding, by making that abiding subside. And by completely surmounting the base of nothingness, we enter upon and abide in the base of neither perception nor non-perception. Venerable Sir, this is another superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding which we have attained by surmounting the preceding abiding and by making that abiding subside. Okay, I'm going to pause right there really quickly because I do recognize that this sutra, it really goes through those states very quickly. And of course, I've left out some of the language of the sutta. Well, of course, the wisdom publication has left it out as well, but I've left it out, which is so the Buddha's uh, questions to Aniruddha about, well, is there is there a superhuman state better than that? To which then Aniruddha replies, Aniruddha replies, well, yeah, by completely surmounting that base, we go to this other base. And so, 
Again, the suture's a little loose on details regarding these states. There's a little bit more information to come. So, you know, I'm going to, um, uh, of course, there's more to the suture than this. But as far as the distinctions between these four formless realms, space, consciousness, nothingness, and neither perception or non-perception, again, the sutta is a little uh, low on details. But I would really like you to consider the language that is used in transitioning out of the four jhanas into these four formless realms. And the language that's used here is when Aniruddha says, um, with the complete surmounting of perceptions of form, with the disappearance of perceptions of sensory impact, with non-attention to perceptions of diversity, one becomes aware that space is infinite. And so if you're not aware, or if um, I didn't mention this uh, in some other talks, the four jhanas, the four uh, uh, initial jhanas, are understood to take place in the realm of form. It is outside of the realm of desire, the kamadatu, so outside of the realm of projections of value or aesthetic value, monetary value, use value, all of that, which would be constitute elements of the kamadatu. The meditator in the jhanas is existing, or to use the language of the sutta, abiding in the realm of just form, pure form, or just rupa. And of course, in the realm of pure form, in the rupa datu of the four jhanas, the idea is that there is still distinctions of form. There is still distinctions, uh, perceptions of diversity. This versus that. Me versus the object of my meditation. Here versus there. So there are st still distinctions distinctions of diversity, and still perceptions of sense, sense distinction. Seeing versus hearing versus smelling versus tasting versus touching. And again, with the complete surmounting of perceiving form, with the disappearance of perceptions of any sensory impact, with non-attention to perceptions of diversity, one becomes aware space is infinite. And so that's that transition out of the realm of form in which there is perceptions of form and reliance upon form to the formless realms. The first being this infinite space, akasha ayatana. And it's just important to keep in mind that language of non-attention to perceptions of diversity. And so there is indeed... Uh, a reason why these four formless states are sometimes called samadhi. And samadhi traditionally is a state of unity or oneness, definitely a sense of a kind of collapse of the self or the ego in that way. And so that's what constitutes sort of a lack of sensory perception because you have a sort of lack of a sense of self in that way. So again, that's sort of just explaining how we transition out of the four jhanas of form to these four formless jhanas. And then the 
meditations get subtler and subtler until we again we are at this state of neither perception or non-perception very which is very difficult to articulate and i would definitely refer to my last dharma talk for more detailed information about that state of being and just when you thought there was nowhere else to go the buddha says regarding this abiding in the base of neither perception or non-perception the buddha replies Good, good, Aniruddha. But is there any other superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding, which you have attained by surmounting that abiding, by making that abiding subside? To which Aniruddha replies, Why not, venerable sir? Here, venerable sir, whenever we want... By completely surmounting the base of neither perception nor non-perception, we enter upon and abide in the cessation of perception and feeling, and our taints are destroyed by our seeing with wisdom. Venerable Sir, this is another superhuman state, a distinction in knowledge and vision worthy of the noble ones, a comfortable abiding which we have attained by surmounting the preceding abiding, by making that abiding subside. And venerable sir, we do not see any other comfortable abiding higher or more sublime than this one. To which the Buddha replies, Good, good, Aniruddha, there is no other comfortable abiding higher and more sublime than that one. And, of course, within the world of Buddhism, when we come across this word cessation, where the Buddha says by completely, sur or Aniruddha says, by completely surmounting the base of neither perception nor non-perception, we enter upon and abide in the cessation of perception and feeling, the cessation of samya and vedana. And in the world of, of Buddhism, that word cessation is this word nirodha, and nirodha, while not exactly the same thing as nirvana, we are definitely more or less right on top of nirvana when we were talking about the cessation of perception and feeling. And so if you are wondering what is higher, what is better, what is greater, what is a more comfortable abiding than the, percep than the base of neither perception or non-perception, then it is this nirodha, the actual cessation of perception and feeling. Um, not just for a moment, I believe we are to understand, but sustained in that way. Then when the Blessed One had instructed, urged, roused, and gladdened the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila with a talk on the Dharma, he rose from his seat and departed. After they had accompanied the Blessed One a little way and turned back again, the Venerable Nandiya and the Venerable Kimbila asked the Venerable Aniruddha, Venerable Aniruddha, have we ever reported to you, the Venerable Aniruddha, that we have obtained those abidings and attainments that the Venerable Aniruddha, in the Blessed One's presence, ascribed to us up to the destruction of the taints? 
Aniruddha replied, The venerable ones have never reported to me that they have obtained those abidings and attainments. Yet, by encompassing the venerable ones' minds with my own mind, I know that they have obtained those abidings and attainments. And there are deities who have also reported this to me, saying, These venerable ones have obtained those abidings and attainments. Then I declared it when directly questioned by the Blessed One. At that time, the spirit, Digga Parajana, went to the Blessed One. After paying homage to the Blessed One, the Buddha, the spirit, Digga Parjana, stood at one side and said, it is a gain for the Vajians, Venerable Sir, a great gain for the Vajian people that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them. And these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila, on hearing the ex exclamation of the spirit Digga Parajana, the earth gods exclaimed, it is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them. And these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila. On hearing the exclamation of the earth gods, the gods of the heaven of the four great kings exclaimed, it is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them. And these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila. On hearing the exclamation of the gods of the heaven of the four great king, the gods of the heaven of the thirty-three exclaimed, It is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them, and these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila. On hearing the exclamation of the gods of the heaven of the thirty-three, the Yama gods exclaimed, it is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them and these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila. On hearing the exclamation of the Yama gods, the gods of the Toshita heaven exclaimed, It is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the, the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them, and these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbila. On hearing the exclamation of the gods of the Toshita heaven, the gods who delight in creating, exclaimed, it is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them, and these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kambila. On hearing the exclamation of the gods who delight in creating, the gods who wield power over others' creations exclaimed, it is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them. And these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, 
the Venerable Nandia, and the Venerable Kambilla. Upon hearing, on hearing the exclamation of the gods who wield power over others' creations, the gods of Brahma's retinue exclaimed, It is a gain for the Vajians, a great gain for the Vajian people, that the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened, dwells among them and these three clansmen, the Venerable Aniruddha, the Venerable Nandiya, and the Venerable Kimbilla. Thus, at that instant, at that moment, those Venerable Ones were known as far as the Brahma world. The Blessed One said to the spirit Diga Parajana, So it is, Digha, so it is. And if the clan from which those three clansmen went forth from the home life into the homeless life should remember them with confident heart, that would lead to the welfare and happiness of that clan for a long time. And if the retinue of the clan from which those three clansmen went forth from home into the homeless life should remember them with confident heart, that would lead to the welfare and happiness of that retinue for a long time. And here's a part where I'm going to pause because, of course, I tried to do it just now with the various gods of the various heavens. Here we get into a repetitive pattern where we move from the clan of these three clansmen, Aniruddha, Nandiya, and Kambila, um, and sort of the rejoicing of the clan and if the retinue of the clan or if and then it goes to the village if the village from which they went forth then to the town then to the city then the country from which those three clansmen went forth from the home life into homelessness if that country should remember them with confident heart that would lead to the welfare and happiness of that country for a long time so it keeps repeating, moving up from the clan to the retinue, to the village, to the town, to the city, and then finally the country. And I'm going to not repeat all of those. Then it goes on to say, if all nobles should remember those three clansmen with confident heart, that would lead to the welfare and happiness of the nobles for a long time. And then it goes on to say that if all the Brahmins should remember those three clansmen with confident heart, that would lead to the welfare and happiness of those Brahmins for a long time. And if all those merchants should remember those three clansmen, all workers should remember those clansmen with a confident heart, then that would lead to the welfare and happiness of the workers for a long time. And then it ends by saying, if the world with its gods, its Maras, and its Brahmas, this generation with its recluses and Brahmins, its princes and its people, if all of them should remember those three clansmen with confident heart, that would lead to the welfare and happiness of the world for a long time. See, Digga, how those three clansmen are practicing for the welfare and happiness of many? out of compassion for the world, for the good, welfare, and happiness of gods and humans. This is what the Blessed One said. The spirit Dika Parajana was satisfied and delighted in the Blessed One's words.